Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's time for uh, Beauties and the Beasts with Catherine Swift. What happened? We just lose Catherine. Okay, can we put Michelle on hold? We just lost Michelle. Okay, so let's start this all over, and let's call Catherine and call Michelle and just put them on the line, and, and we'll do this radio show, which is our job. When something goes wrong, it's up to me to fix it and fill the hole. You know, it's, that's my job. And it's time for our Beauties and the Beast segment with Catherine Swift uh, from WorkingCanadians.ca and uh, Michelle Simpson, former Liberal Member of Parliament. And they will be with us. No, no, don't, don't, don't put Mr. Grubel on hold. I want to talk to him. And don't hang up on him. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, Herbert Grubel is a professor of economics emeritus at Simon Fraser University. And he joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll get to Catherine and Michelle in just a moment, as soon as we get the phones to cooperate here. And uh, um, Professor Grubel is a senior fellow with the Fraser Institute, and uh, he is the author of a new book called Income Mobility, the Rich and Poor in Canada. And the book, and uh, Professor Grubel make the case, that the rich are not becoming richer on the backs of the poor. Professor Grubel, good to have you with us. It's good to be with you, Roy. I'm going to put your friend Catherine on the phone in just a second, and as soon as we get Michelle uh, on as well. And uh, can you just give us a um, maybe a 30-second explanation? Because the, uh, the, the, the position has been, or the thought, the thinking is among many, that the rich become richer by riding on the backs of the poor. You say. Well, um, when you look at statistics which trace through the poor in 1990, by, by the year 2009, 100 out, uh, out of 100, 87 of them will have moved to higher levels of income. 20 of them, of those 100 poor in 1990, by the year 2009, will have become rich, belong to the highest 20% of the income distribution. In other words, only 13% of the people who are poor in 1990, a generation later, were still poor. So uh, the idea that the poor are trapped is just not right. Uh, So uh, we also have numbers on how much the income of the poor went up. It turns out that inflation adjusted, their income over those 19 years went up by 180%, whereas the income of the top 20%, the rich, went up only 20%. And, you know, so the question is, what, where do we get these other statistics? Well, we get the other statistics because the government takes uh, the income distribution in 1990 calculates the average income of the lowest 20 percent, and then they do the same thing in 2009. But the fact is that the people in the lowest 20 percent in 2009 are completely different from the people who were in that position in 1990. What has happened in 1990, thereafter, we had, in, in that group were all kinds of young people who are just starting their careers. There were new immigrants who are learning the ropes. There are people who are temporarily ill or unemployed. Well, 
over the next few years, they obviously escaped those conditions and joined the masses of Canadians who are, throughout their lifetimes, starting off with low incomes and getting to high incomes when they're about 50, 55. Okay, so this is the path that has been chosen uh, by generations. You start off at the, at, the, at the bottom of the ladder, bottom rung of the ladder, or somewhere near the bottom, and you get as high up the ladder as you possibly can, and that's a, it's a competitive environment, and it's a healthy environment because mm-hmm. it creates momentum for the, for the people who are always going to be, uh, hopefully, if they, when they get up the ladder, having some sense of responsibility for people who are trying to get up the ladder. Catherine Swift, Michelle Simpson. Catherine, did I explain anything there, or am I babbling? No, no, you're, no, I think uh, the, the point that Herb is making and a number of other studies have come at it from different directions and proven that this whole, it, it's totally false, this notion that inequality, so-called inequality is getting worse. And there's a lot, a lot of different ways to skip cat. You know, Mr. Grubel, he's talking about uh, the mobility issue, which is totally true. Um, and it, it, that a lot of the studies that have been attempting to show inequality is getting worse, they take a snapshot at one year, a similar snapshot later, but as, as you know, as it was discussed, it's a whole different group of people. So you can't say that, you know, things are getting worse. In fact, there was another piece in the paper by another university professor, William Watson, just this past week, who looked at um, what's happening on average with the incomes of, the say, the top 1%, top 10%, whichever, you know, number you want to choose as the so-called rich. And they've actually been roughly the same for the last 15 years. So uh, this whole notion of inequality is the left, Loves to have big government. The bigger, the better. Uh, we know what happens with that ultimately, and it's called Greece and Detroit and so on. But uh, it, it's simply not true, but it's the latest mantra so they can excuse their bias toward having big interventionist government. But it's not factually correct. Okay. Let me uh, get Michelle. You're, you're there, right, Michelle? Absolutely. Okay. I'm, first of all, I'm glad you're well again. Thank you. Welcome back to the living. Yes. She was struggling. Michelle was struggling uh, in the hospital, and I, I don't try. I don't mean to be light about this, but I was concerned about you. Oh so well, we're all I, I'm fine. You. Good. So uh, I was about to say it's only liberals who complain constantly that the rich are getting uh, richer on the backs of the poor. Then I remembered you were a former liberal member of parliament, so I washed my mouth out with soap. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, because I don't think everyone subscribes to that. No, I, I, I'm certainly not one. You know, I agree with Catherine that there were certain, um, you know, there's been certain snapshots that have been taken to support an argument that really isn't there, that, you know, just it really isn't there. And for um, Professor Grubel, I, I totally agree with where he's coming from. You know, the, the, the circumstances in 1990, you know, and, and what's transpired... And I think it's, um, no, I, I'm just really not buying into it, and I never did, even before having read some of the reports. Now, Professor Grubel, are you getting uh, pushback uh, of any significance to, to your book, uh, Income Mobility, the Rich and Poor in Canada, when you, when, you, when you make the case that the rich are not becoming richer because they're hitching a ride on the backs of the poor? Are you getting a lot of pushback because there is a... There's a group of people uh, who would politically, maybe politically or philosophically inspired who love to make that argument. Well, I don't get pushback. I just get people opening their eyes and saying, I didn't know that. That's very interesting. 
and I have a, a parlor game, you know, when, when we have a beer after tennis, I say, well, tell me, what do you think? How many people are still poor after 19 years? You know, the numbers I gave you. Right. And you can tell, you can grade people on their political scale. The ones who believe very strongly in the ability and need for government to do a lot of things to make uh, create a a fair society are all saying, oh, they will all still be there. And it is only a very, very small proportion of Canadians who understand that there is this tremendous mobility. And we must understand, uh, Roy, that the reason why all of us, sure, uh, everyone on this panel, will have started with low incomes is because we were not very productive. We were just out of school. We didn't know what they were doing, what we were doing. And it is only as we accumulated experience, became more productive, the firms that we worked for were able to compensate us for the contributions, the higher contributions we made to the profits of the firm. You know, it's interesting you say that. I was 19 years of age. I'd worked in radio and uh, when I was in high school at uh, CKGM in Montreal and CKGM-FM. And um, so I was a high school kid working radio, and I was pretty ambitious. I've always been an ambitious person that wants to get things done. And I applied for a job I had absolutely no business applying for, none whatsoever. And uh, it was a music director slash program director of, a, of, of another radio station at 19 years of age. And I talked to the general manager and uh, met with him. And he said, I'll get back to you by 6 o'clock on Friday, Roy, and let, let you know my decision. 6 o'clock came and went, Professor Grubel and Michelle and Catherine. It was 6.01. So I called him at home. And I said, Mr. Blair, you said you'd let me know by 6 o'clock. It's 6.01. He said, the job is yours. Can you start at 9 o'clock on Monday morning? And he told me later, we became friends. I've probably told this story on the air. He told me later, you never would have gotten the job because you didn't have the qualifications, but I liked your attitude. And then two years later, they, 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 they promoted me again. And I realized as I was getting older how little I knew, but how much I thought I knew. But sometimes it's just the approach that you have, the, the attitude you have. You want to move forward, you want, you want to win, and it helps you win and move forward. Absolutely. Well, actually, there's been a ton of studies done in small business or I, when I worked for CFID for years and years that showed that the things that employers value often more than hard skills, not to say hard skills aren't important, but it's things like attitude, promptness, reliability. They're really more character traits than they are sort of tangible, yeah, oh, you've got an MA and X yeah. or, you know, whatever. And hard work. Catherine. And hard work. Yeah, absolutely hard work. And, you know, you, let's face it, you, you learn a lot if you, if you want to. And many yeah. people don't want to, unfortunately, but most people do. So, and, you know, you learn a lot, and a lot of that is just your attitude determines that. Okay, so Professor Grubel, we're, we have about a minute left with you, and I thank you for taking the time. What's the one thing that we really need to know about your book? When, when people pick up Income Mobility, the Rich and the Poor in Canada, what's the one thing they should be looking for in the book? Well, that that income mobility is uh, affects not only the the poor, but it is also affecting the very rich. I have in there statistics on millionaires, and uh, it's it's amazing on how few millionaires are millionaires for any length of time. Over half of them are millionaires only one out of ten years. So. 
You know, it, mm. it, it's universal. But let me just make one policy implication. Uh, the policy which says let's tax the rich will, according to these statistics that I have, fall on the people who are at the peak of their career, 50 or 55 years old. Well, they have lots of responsibility towards their children's education, towards their parents, and trying to get a bit assembled for uh, retirement. They take the money away from them, hurting them very badly, and they give it to young people. The young people have no responsibilities of the sort that the older people have. And I think that policy of taking it from the rich to give to the poor in the light of the fact that the rich are old and the, the poor are young is totally unfair. And it is not in the interest of our society to do that. No, it'll just create two poor people. No. Well, Professor, I don't want to go that far. <laughs> well, I did it for you. you Professor Grubel, um, Grubel, thank you. Let me just, Catherine, sorry. Is. Okay, guys, uh, Professor Grubel, thank you so much uh, for joining us. I hope to have you back on the show for uh, just a, um, a, another interview. I want to read the book and then, and then speak with you uh, again. Is that okay? I'm looking forward to it. And hello, Catherine. Nice and talking to you again. <laughs> I, think, I think we met... In the finance committee when I was an MP for the... Oh, we've met a number of times in the economics world. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Okay. Nice you, talking to you all. You, you, you people who understand economics. Thank you, Professor Grubel. Okay, We're going to come bye back bye. with Catherine Swift and Michelle Simpson. Linda Leatherdale not with us now. She's getting ready to spend her $800 million in the Powerball. She's already in, uh, in Los Angeles expecting victory. Stay with us. It is Beauties and the Beast with Michelle Simpson, former Liberal Member of Parliament, Catherine Swift, former uh, CEO of the CFIB, at uh, WorkingCanadians.ca now, and at Michelle Simpson for Michelle. And um, so I'm getting tweets here, guys. Linda Leatherdale is not with us. She's in California. I hope they have a blizzard there today. Um, <laughs> Uh, Ron tweets, these numbers don't seem right, Roy. And then Joan tweets, he measures poor only by income, so son of billionaire making poverty wage while traveling Europe is considered poor. Joan, listen to me for a second. No son of a billionaire traveling in Europe is making minimum wage, okay? Dad's taking care of that. He's got the $500,000 Ferrari Spider. That's the way it is. Billionaires, that's the way they treat their kids. So I hear. So I uh, do the number. Somebody thinks, excuse me, I wonder why somebody thinks the numbers aren't right. I don't these know. Are, these are statistics Canada data, which are, you know, I mean, that's our standard in Canada for these kinds of studies. And, and this isn't a one-off. I mean, I was trying to allude to that a little bit earlier. This isn't a one-off. No matter how you come at these numbers, if you interpret them accurately, which many don't, you know, we have poverty re- reduction, in, not just in Canada, but around the world quite significantly over the last little while. And don't forget, too, you know, that, that thing I was talking about earlier with William Watson, he wrote a really good book lately talking about inequality. He said, why are we focusing on inequality? If everybody's, say everybody's making a million bucks a year, but somebody, people are making a hundred million. Do we really care? Because everybody's fine. Well, you know, we Catherine, you know what it is? Poverty. You know what poverty it is? is our focus. Catherine, they've been, they've been pushing Karl Marx in school yes. for so long that the, the people actually believe that that stuff works. They don't, they don't tell them about the Soviet Union. Oh, is that going to get me emails? Well, never, that has never worked in the history of the world, if you know no, your it doesn't history work. and your Can't economic work. history. Yeah, they cannot insane. work because nobody, no, people are not the same, Michelle. Absolutely right. Like, it, it just, uh, I, I don't know 
you know, unless it fits into a certain narrative, people tend to deny, you know, what what's out there in terms of reality and the facts. And, um, you know, it, it's a shame, but that's just the way it is. I was talking to a former highly ranked British politician in the 1980s. I'll never forget this. And he said to me, he was a former cabinet minister, and I can't remember his name. God, isn't that terrible? Uh, and he said to me, there was a time in England when a Rolls Royce would drive down the road and a person looking at that Rolls Royce would say, one day I'll own one of those. He said, the attitude now is, this is the 1980s, the attitude now is, someday that guy won't be able to afford that anymore. You're absolutely right. The politics of resentment are huge. It's the politics of resentment. And there's a lot of people out there who, for whatever reason, want to feel hard done by, oh, those other people are doing so much better. And yet when you look at the data, which her Google study and a lot of other shows, is that we all started, you know, I started out with nada. My parents had nothing. I paid my way through school and so on and so forth, but not crying the blues here. That's just a fact. And yet I ended up doing fine because I worked hard. And frankly, the system around the world, warts and all, that best permits that to happen is capitalism, like it or not. We know yeah. socialism beggars everybody. That's its history in the world. And capitalism has its problems, no doubt about okay. it. But it provides opportunity if you want to work for it. Michelle? I didn't have two nickels when I got married to rub together. But again, as Catherine said, you know, it, 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 perhaps it was a different world in terms of it may be a little easier to get the kind of opportunities. But yeah. it was all about the hard work. And not the expectation that, you know, you were going to get the six-figure income after 12 months. Uh, you know what? We only have a few seconds. I get sick and tired of people sending me emails. Some people do. It's always the same ones. How come you make the big buck? What have you ever done? They know nothing <laughs> oh. about me. They don't know They don't know that I, as a kid, uh, and I've talked to, uh, sometimes I mention this and if it's relevant. I lived in a homeless shelter. I had zit, nothing. Zero. Yeah. Opened a fridge door. There was nothing in there. My mother and I had nothing. Like yep. nothing. So don't get on. Bob Ray once said that to me. Boy, I went up one side of him and down the other. He said, not everybody was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. So I changed the anatomical direction of the spoon for Mr. Ray. <laughs> well, but you know what I, I still, wonder, Roy? I still work. I still work. I gotta go. I, oh, guys, I gotta go. I still work 12 hours a day. Still work 12 hours a day to make this show as good as I can do it. That's why you became successful, is you weren't born with goodies, because I think that's the same with me. Because yeah. I knew what it was like kids, to do without. I didn't want to do that. I got to go, kids. I wonder if okay. the spoon I wonder if okay, the, I wonder, I wonder if the spoon is still there. Uh, toodaloo. <laughs> <I hope. laughs> we'll talk next weekend. We'll come right back.